I am so glad that you have joined me today. Whether you are at one of our campuses or you are joining online, we are glad to have you with us at Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. And uh, just another reminder, you're going to hear this all throughout the services this weekend. In two weeks is Easter. I cannot believe Easter is in two weeks. So I am excited about you being a part, whether you gather with us in person or online. We are ready for you and your family this Easter. As well, I uh, hope you're getting your uh, fill of some great Easter candy. And so somebody just dropped off some of uh, those uh, chocolate marshmallow eggs. Don't, don't do that. Somebody's already done that. But I've got other things that I like if you want to know what that is. But I uh, love Easter, man. I love the church, what it represents. I love being around family. And uh, I love all the Easter candy. So I don't know if anybody else is like that or not. But that is totally uh, me. And in two weeks, it's Easter. So invite someone. Invite someone, whether it's online or whether it's joining you in a service in person, invite someone to Easter. People are more likely to come if you invite them than any other thing. We can put it on social media. We can, we can do direct mails. We can put it on billboards. We can, we can put it on banners behind airplanes across your neighborhood. The truth of the matter is if you invite somebody, they are more likely to come than if they see it from us on a social media post or on a, a mailer or behind a plane in the sky across your neighborhood. So I encourage you, in two weeks is Easter. Today, we're continuing our series, Motley Crew, as we talk about the disciples. It's very interesting how Jesus chose really a motley crew, a mismatched group of individuals to come together that he would invest his life in to change the world. And so today we're talking about Thomas. Uh, Thomas. And so if you have your Bible, go to the book of John, John chapter 20. It's the most notable passage where Thomas is mentioned. Now, Thomas is only mentioned eight times in the entire Bible, and that would all be the New Testament. Four of those times are with the listing of the disciples, when the 12 disciples are listed. John gives us the most complete picture of Thomas. And Thomas has been dubbed Doubting Thomas because he questioned because he, he said, I don't know if I could really believe unless I see. And even though he'd been with Jesus and even though the other disciples had seen Jesus at post-resurrection, he needed to see it for himself. And so he's, been, he's kind of been dubbed uh, Doubting Thomas. But today, the title of our talk, the title of the message is Trusting Thomas. Because I think that Thomas's journey is way more normal and normative than what theologians and Bible scholars have kind of given him, and quite frankly, pastors and preachers down through the years have kind of given him credit for. It was his doubt, it was his questions, it was his curiosity, it was his need to trust and verify that led him to his relationship with Jesus to truly trust, trusting Thomas. John's Gospel, chapter 20, starting in verse 24. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. If you do, please open it up. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus. So this is just a Greek word for twin. So most of the scholarship says that Thomas probably was a twin. That's kind of what they knew him as, or kind of a nickname, or kind of a, just kind of, oh, that's Thomas. He, he, he has a twin brother, but we don't know who the twin is. So therefore, it's a bit of conjecture, but that's there. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nail marks were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas had moments of courage, questions, and moments of doubt. Taking notes, write that statement down. Thomas had moments of courage, questions, and moments of doubt. Courage, questions, doubt. He had moments of courage. We see in John's Gospel, chapter 11, where at the death of Lazarus, Jesus is going now to Mary and Martha and going to go to Lazarus. And we know the rest of the story. What's going to happen is that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. But the disciples don't know all of that, and they're following Jesus. And it's a bit kind of scary, and it's a bit kind of like what's about to happen, and we really don't know. And John's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 16, Thomas said, Then, then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. Let, let, us, let us go with Jesus. Let, let us go see what he's going to do. Let, wherever he goes, life or death, wherever he goes, let, let, let's go. And so Thomas is not always a doubting or, or questioning individual. Uh, there's many times he's kind of like, let's take on hell with a water gun. Let's, let, let's, let, let, let's go. And, and, and here's what I want you to catch in this narrative of Thomas. We all have these moments of greatness. I don't care how many doubts, how many questions, how many fears. We all have these moments where we're like, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's make this happen. Let's go. Jesus will go with you. Let's go. Even if we die, let's go. Let's, let's be a part of this. It's true of all of us. We're never the sum total of just one aspect, of just one snapshot of our life. And, and so, again, many times theologians and biblical scholars and preachers and pastors down through the years have just put this doubt thing on Thomas. The truth of the matter is, is he also was a man of courage. He's also a man who left everything and followed Jesus. Scholarship tells us that he will go on and he will go to India as a missionary, one of the most far-flung places that any of the disciples will go a matter of fact, even as I'm preaching now, I'm just kind of thinking through my mind, I don't know if anybody goes further geographically than Thomas does. And he goes and he gives his life as a martyr. That's not an individual who's just filled with doubt or filled with fear or, or just pessimistic or it's kind of like, you know, Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh series. No, no, it's just he does have questions and he does have doubts, but he's also filled with a great amount of courage. And it's important to understand that, that you can have questions and you can have doubts and have courage. They're not mutually exclusive. They don't necessarily count, they don't cancel another one out. And this is true of Thomas. He is also a person of courage. But more often than not, the Bible indicates the greatest amount is given to his questions. He has questions. 
Again, questions are not bad, but John's gospel chapter number 14, again, John gives us much more insight on Thomas than any of the other disciples. Jesus is speaking to the disciples in John chapter 14, and he's talking about heaven. And if I go, uh, I go away to prepare a place for you, but where I go, you cannot go. And verse 5, Thomas says this. Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? He speaks up and asks a question. He, he, he does this. Not all the disciples uh, ask questions that are written down. I mean, so do they have questions? I'm sure they did. Did they talk? I, I'm sure they did. But the truth of the matter is, is that with Thomas, we see that he not only has a question, but that it's prolific enough that, in this case, John picks up on it and writes that down and records it for our benefit. And when Thomas asks this question, this is when Jesus famously replies and responds with, well, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man gets to the Father but through the Son. Questions. Jesus never rebukes Thomas's questions. Quite frankly, he doesn't rebuke his doubts either. He, he, he's totally okay with questions. And, and I say this a lot sometimes as a pastor, and sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record. But I grew up in church and I grew up in a time where it's just, you just don't ask certain questions or the questions that you ask, nobody could really give you a chapter and verse answer on. It was just because or because I said so. Do you ever remember that as a kid, like your parents would say something because I said so, because I said so, because I said so. Or you wouldn't understand. And you're like, yes, give me a chance. I, I'm not an idiot, right? Give me an opportunity and, and communicate it to me. And, and, and in church, sometimes we have this thing of just don't ask questions or or, or we need to kind of go to a pastor or to a priest and like they're an oracle, like they're the only one that can get the answers. When the truth of the matter is, it's right there in God's word. And questions are never off-putting to God. They're never off-putting to Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus, uh, Jesus probably responded more with questions than he did with answers, especially with the religious leaders of the day. Questions are totally okay. Questions are not negative in, in, in and of themselves. Questions are not wrong. They're not bad. And so if you have questions today, ask those questions. Write them down. Now, sometimes there are answers that we just don't have to questions, some of the great questions. And one of the things I know in my own life as I've been following Jesus for quite some time is the longer that I follow the Lord, the more, the more in love I become with Jesus and the more solid my faith gets. But I have questions. And there are questions that this side of eternity, I just am like, I don't know that I'm going to get the answer to. Why did this happen in this situation? Or God, why did you choose to do this instead of that? I, I'm limited. I, I, I don't know everything. I, 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 but God, I got these questions. I just want you to understand your questions, especially if you're kicking tires on faith today, whether you're watching online, whether you're at a campus, wherever you may be. There's nothing wrong with questions. Jesus never rebukes Thomas for his questions. Totally okay. Now, the truth of the matter is, the answers, you may not always like the answers that you get. And sometimes the answers don't come as quickly as what you would like them to come. And sometimes we just don't know this side of eternity. I love what the Apostle Paul says. This side of eternity, we understand in part and we know in part. It's like looking through stained glass. There are moments of clarity and then moments where it just completely kind of, it just becomes shadows and shapes and we really can't make it out. Why is that? Well, par partly because we're finite, we're limited, and God is infinite. He's all-knowing. 
we don't have the ability to understand all and, and connect all the dots at the same time. Sometimes it's that that struggle is what produces the strength in our life. It's if God told us everything, if God gave us everything, if we knew everything, at the beginning of our life, if we knew where everything was going to go, there would be no faith journey. I was talking to Tammy the other day, and I was frustrated about something. I was trying to figure something out. And so I'm just so frustrated with this. And she, and, and, uh, she just kind of smiled, and she said, well, if it was easy, you wouldn't learn. If it was easy, there would be no challenge. There would be no interest there would this is how remember and I hate when she uses my preaching against me but 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 this is how we learn and grow and develop questions are good ask questions just understand sometimes you may not get the answer that you want as quickly as you want it we may not even understand totally this side of eternity the other thing that Thomas deals with and most notably is doubts I want to talk about that a little bit doubts this is post the resurrection. I read it right at the very beginning of the, of the message today. John chapter 20. Go back to verse 24 and 25. Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus has appeared. Jesus has let himself be known. But Thomas wasn't there. If you ever missed it, like you were trying to see someone or meet someone, this used to happen when I was a kid, like somebody was going to come by the house, but I was too impatient to wait, or I was doing something, or I didn't get home from school fast enough, or practice quick enough, or whatever it may be, and I missed, and I was like, ah, oh, I wanted to go with my mom, or go with my dad to wherever they were going. I was going to want to be a part. I wanted to see so-and-so when they came by, but I missed them, missed them. Sometimes that happens, and for Thomas, it It happens. But it creates this very unique narrative that John gives us insight on. So verse 25, so the other disciples told him. Doesn't really help when you've missed seeing somebody, but everybody tells you, hey, but if you'd have been here, this is what would have. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I need to be able to see him. I need to be able to do it. It's great that you guys have that experience, but I need to have it for myself. It's great that you were there, but I need to have it for myself. And the truth of the matter is, is that we all need to have that experience for ourselves. We all need to, to have that experience where we encounter Jesus for ourselves. Doubt. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in just a second, but I just want to stop here. And as you look at Thomas from courage to questions to doubt, made this statement a few minutes ago, but I want to reiterate it again. Snapshots are never the full picture of someone's life. Snapshots are never the full picture of someone's life. If we just take the snapshot of, 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 of Thomas when they're going to, to Lazarus and to basically to the graveyard where, where he has died and he's been buried, that's not the complete picture of him. If we just go to the question that John records when Jesus is talking about going away and preparing a place and, 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 and all, if we just have the questioning, it's not the full picture of him. If we just have him post-resurrection, after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, that time that he's with the disciples there and he makes himself known, if all we have with him is just his questioning and doubt, unless I see, I won't believe, that's not the totality of him. That's true of all of us. A snapshot is never the total picture of someone. Remember that. Whether someone makes a headline or good or bad, 
whether you see a post on social media, good or bad, whether someone has some type of a gaffe, good or bad, it's never the totality of that person. Oh, it may be a, a glimpse into their soul. They may be more dark than what you could even imagine, or it might have been a momentary blip. And I'm not excusing behavior. I'm just trying to say that we all have these moments. We all have seasons of courage. We all have moments. We all have seasons of questions. We all have moments. We all have seasons of doubt. But there's no one moment or one season that's a total picture of who we are. You're never as strong or as good as you'd like for people to believe. You're not as good as your social media post. You're not as good as those glamour shots. Amen? Come on. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not as good as when you are all just, man, you got your hair in place and, and you've got your, you got your teeth brushed and, and, and you've got everything just completely ready to go. And you're never as good as your best and you're never as bad as the enemy of your soul will tell you that you are. Or the haters that are going to hate are going to say that you are. Remember, Thomas is not just a person of courage. He's also a person of questions. But he's not just a person of questions. He's also a person of doubt. Not just a person of doubt. He's a person. And we get these snapshots of him. We get these Instagram moments of him. We get these moments in time. Are moments, snapshots important? Absolutely. Do we want to try to, as best we can, manage perception? Absolutely. I say this to the staff all the time. We need to manage perception and reality. But truth be told, if we can only manage one, we manage reality. Because that's ultimately what is truth and what God sees. And the truth of the matter is, is God's the judge. I just want you to catch that. The second statement that I want to give you today is that Thomas asked Jesus for what he needed to believe. Thomas asked Jesus for what he, Thomas, needed to believe. Talk about the doubt for a minute and Jesus' verification of that. Let's go back to verse 25. John chapter 20, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Good for you. <laughs> That's what I would have said. And, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, this has been pictured as doubt. And, and I get it. But I just want to say a couple statements about doubt. Doubt is natural. It, it, doubt is natural. Um, we've all had moments where we're like, I'm not real sure about that. I'm not real sure about this person. I'm not real sure. I, I, I just can't imagine that so-and-so would say or would do, or I just can't imagine that so-and-so, you know, or I thought all along that maybe so-and-so, I had my doubts about them, or, or I just can't imagine, or I just, did that really happen? Did that, would they just really say that? Like, did they, they, I, I don't, I, what? <laughs> doubts. Doubts. Doubts are natural. When we see things, and especially when it comes to things that are spiritual, you know the reason why? Because it's an upside-down kingdom. It, the supernatural is exactly that. It's super onto our natural. We understand natural, and sometimes we have questions about natural phenomenons, 
right? We, there are places that we go in the world and we see different things in the environment. We're like, wow, I can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine, you know, uh, it's like there, there are doubts. I mean, I, I remember a couple of years ago, we had, we had a, a, a minister in, in, uh, from, from uh, Sri Lanka, Deshaun Wikaratma, and Deshaun came and his daughter was here and, and, um, and, and uh, we, I took them, it was in the wintertime, I took them down on the lakefront and, and uh, they were ice fishing. Uh, down on the lakefront there in Milwaukee, and uh, she had never seen, they had, they'd never seen ice so thick you could walk on it. So we actually went out and walked on, and it was so fun because it was like, she was so like, can you do this? Does this work? Does this work? Yeah, it's completely like, it's just, it's going to hold you. Look at these people. They're, they, they, they've cut holes in the ice, and they're fishing, and here's, it's, you're, it plays, because again, from where she comes from, and her part of the world, ice doesn't exist like that. You, you have to make it in an ice maker, right? Um, it's not a natural commodity. It's not something that you see seasonally. It's not something that you're trying to get off the road. They, they just, it doesn't exist. So doubt is a natural thing. Doubt, when, when, when there's something that, 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 that it supersedes what our normative behavior, our norm, normative cognitive place, it, it, it's also true when God comes in and does something in our life and he kind of throws us a curveball. This happens a lot where I'm going along and I think everything is good and everything is great. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of leads me in a different direction or points me in a different place or begins to kind of ask something of me. And I'm like, is that really me? Is that really the Lord? Maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. I have doubts. It's natural. I see God do something supernatural. And I just wonder, is there more to that? Is that really the truth? I have doubts. I've been pastoring here for over 18 years and, and, and I've had people down through the years say, I was just waiting to see how long you, you, you would last or if this church would really do it or, re- or really, would this really, they had doubts. It's just normal human behavior. Doubt is not disobedience. To doubt something is not to be disobedient. Just because I doubt something that I see or doubt something that I'm, I'm around doesn't mean that I'm being disobedient. It's just I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. I'm trying to, to do that. Remember that. Sometimes we can, can misconstrue doubts as being negative, therefore it's wrong. And, and, and I understand that to faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that that's what faith is. It is speaking things and seeing things that are not as though they are. But again, that's counterintuitive to how we're hardwired. And for those of us that are much more cerebral or much more intellectual, uh, maybe have even a higher IQ, sometimes it's much more difficult because we have to figure it out. And the problem is we just don't have all the pieces. It will make sense. We're just limited and finite. But in our world, we need to figure it out. But to doubt, to question, it's not disobedient. Anytime that... Thomas doubts. The Bible never, he's never chastened for that. He's never chastised for that. He's, he's never corrected for that. It's, it's not necessarily disobedience. It's just trying to understand. Because doubt is normal. To doubt things from time to time is normal. Listen, if you're walking in this Christian faith, sometimes you just kind of go, God, are you there? It's not that your question, it's just, God, are you hearing me when I pray? Do my prayers really work? Does does this really make sense? Does this really, I've taught and trained my children. Is your word really true? When they're old, will they not depart from it? You're not doubting God. 
you're, you're doubting yourself. And even when you think that you're doubting God, you're really not doubting him. You're doubting the, the, the gaps that you have between where you are as a finite person and where he is as infinite. I love in the book of Job, when God begins to, in the latter part of Job's life, those last couple of chapters, God begins to speak of himself to Job about how great and how vast and how awesome he is. Kind of just answers, can you do this, Job? Can you do this? Can you do this? Are you the one that tells the sun when to come up and when to go down? Are you the one that tells the ocean how far it can go? Are you the one that tells it when when to go back? Are you the one that... Doubt is it's normal because our finite, limited person is trying to figure out an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God. So lower the RPMs, take a deep breath. That's all Thomas is doing. What do you do with doubts? That becomes the question. So doubt may be natural, doubt may not be disobedience, and doubt is normal, but what do you do with the doubts? Allow your doubts to draw you closer to Jesus rather than to push you further away. That becomes key. When I begin to doubt, instead of trying to push it away, instead of trying, I try to lead in and go, okay, Jesus, show me. Okay, Lord, show me. Okay, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Give me direction. Give me the, the discernment that the, that the gifting of the Holy Spirit is given to me for. The, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, Jesus says when he goes away that he will, in, in John's Gospel chapter 14, he will leave the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be, the Greek is paraclete, one that walks alongside you. He'll be like a personal GPS. He will lead and guide you into all truth. He will always point to Jesus. He will comfort you in moments and, and moments where you need to be comforted. He will convict you in moments where, where you need a good, quick, uh, swift kick in the seat. And, and he will, but he will always lead you and guide you into all truth. That's what he's there for. So in those moments, I don't push away from the Lord. I don't push away from his wisdom. I lean in. This is what Thomas does. Guys, he's not saying I don't believe. He's saying, I just need to get closer to Jesus. I need to see Jesus. I need to have an experience for myself. So it's kind of like his parents, our kids, they need to have an experience for themselves to understand who Jesus is. It's great, mom, dad, that you love Jesus and you have this experience, but I need my own experience. It's great, grandma, that you have this experience with Jesus or grandpa, that you have this experience with Jesus, but I need it for myself. It's great, youth pastor. It's great, pastor, that you have this, but I need it for me. I need to know him for me. I need to see him for me. It's not about my doubts as much as it is I'm going to lean in and draw closer to him. The truth of the matter is, it's your choice. Because doubt can either push you away and you kind of go, I don't understand this, therefore it's wrong. I don't get this, therefore it's, it's off. I don't understand this, therefore I'm going to disengage. It doesn't make cognitive sense to me, therefore I am going to reject it. Which is the height, in my opinion, of arrogance. Maybe there's just pieces to the story I don't know. Maybe there's parts of it that I don't have enough information to make a conclusive decision or come to a resolution. Maybe I need to give a little more time and a little bit more space so that God can show up. Instead of pushing it away, I'm going to let it draw me to him. Doubts have an amazing way if we will express them to the Lord and say, God, 
This is what I need. Lord, I just need a sign. Just like Gideon did in the Old Testament, I need a sign from you that it draws us in. I want to go back to chapter 20. And I'm going to look at verses 26, 27, 28, 29 in the English Standard Version. This is the rest of the story that happens. As Thomas doesn't reject Jesus, he doesn't push away from Jesus. He leans in and says, this is what I need. I just need to see him. I need God to reveal himself. I need God to show up and answer my doubt. How does God respond? How does Jesus respond? So glad you asked that question. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here in my hands, and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, meaning he believed. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have, have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Eight days, over a week. Thomas says, hey, I just, here's my doubt and here's the question that I have. And, 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 and God doesn't answer him immediately. God doesn't deal with it immediately. How many times do you pray a prayer and there's just some amount of time? This is, this is what we see. It's over a week. And in our time, man, I, I want to pray a prayer and I want to get it resolved within 24 hours. Well, that doesn't always happen. Jesus is, is seldom early, never late, always right on time. Notice that Thomas is wrestling with this doubt during this time because it hasn't changed. But he doesn't leave the disciples. He doesn't leave. He stays with them. He's with them. He's walking this out. He's doing what he knows to do. And that's what you do when you're walking with doubt. You do what you know. You do what the Lord said last. And, and so he, he's staying with them. He, he, he's, he's not rejecting. He's not running away from. But he still has this doubt. And this is the tension that we have to manage sometimes. That I'm still following Jesus, but I have questions. I've still got my eyes on the master. I'm still trusting in Jesus, but I got some questions. I, I'm with you, Lord, but, but I, just need, I just need a little sidebar of a conversation. And we ask those, but God doesn't respond immediately. So what do you do? Do you fold like a cheap suit? Do you go sulk in the corner? Do you curl up in the fetal position? Do you just push the world away? Do you reject Jesus and go back your own way? No, you keep following him. You keep doing what he told you to do last. And then you continue to wait until his perfect timing comes. And when Jesus shows up, he makes a grand entrance. John says that the doors are locked, yet Jesus goes through the locked doors. I, I don't have time to even unpack all the conjecture that I have on that. But here's what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter what the barrier is. Jesus will get over it, through it, under it, around it to get to you in his time. And then Jesus speaks directly to Thomas. He shows up this time directly for Thomas. He calls him by name and he answers his questions. The questions that you have ultimately will all be answered. And when Jesus answers it, Thomas's doubt is gone. I'm out of time today, but I want to end before I pray for you with just asking you one simple question. Where are you today with Jesus? Where are you today in your walk with the Lord? Doubts, questions, concerns, 
blanks that you're trying to fill in. My advice, based on what we see here in the life of Jesus and the disciples expressed in Thomas's life, keep walking it out. Just keep walking it out. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep doing what the Lord asked you to do. What was the last thing that he told you? What, 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 what do you know to be true? What do you know to be right? What do you know that you have no doubt about? Keep walking that out and let Jesus show up, even through a locked door in the middle of your life. Don't take my word for it if you don't want to. Just simply listen and wait. And Jesus will speak. He will show up. And when he does, the ball's in your court. Accept it, reject it, your choice, just like Thomas. Touch his hands, touch his side. Believe or don't believe. But he will pronounce himself, even in the middle of your doubts and your questions. I want to pray for you today. Father, I just thank you today. And I ask your blessings to be upon your people. I pray for those that are struggling with questions and doubts in their faith. Maybe they've been serving you a long time. Maybe they've yet to come to faith in Jesus Christ or somewhere in between. I pray, Jesus, that you would make themselves, you would make yourself known to them as they ask. As they ask the tough questions, as they express even their doubt to you, Lord, that you will show up in a way that would be consistent with your word, but that would, for their own experience, just like with Thomas, that you would make yourself known in such an amazing and real way that's undeniable to them. Help us today not to discard people that have questions or that have doubts. Help us not just to look at ourselves or others in just one simple snapshot, but rather to walk out the journey to be like trusting Thomas, even in courage, even in questions, even in doubts. In Jesus' name, amen.